Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Olay Speaks Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 186. If you want to listen to this episode as well as all future episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star algorithm-friendly review or rating and a review. And uh, that will help us out a lot. So we've got some things to talk about this uh, episode as we are less than one week out from Big Derby d'Italia. So let me first bring in here Sam LaPresti. Hello, Sam. Hey, Danny. It's uh, it's a shame I missed last week. I mean, between the jokes about Daniele Rugani scoring with his manhood and yes. uh, and also the uh, after listening to the to that last week's episode, I was like, man, I would have made that debate pretty heated, wouldn't I? Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes we decided to go all positive just because you weren't here. <laughs> but yeah, no, you guys did great last week, and uh, and I'm glad to be back around after Thank the uh, the wedding that I went to. It was uh, just to, you know, they probably won't be listening to this because they're not <laughs> big soccer people, but my friends Amber and Corey, your wedding was beautiful, and I love you both. And yes. uh Many, many years of happiness. Beautiful weddings. Can't beat them. Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Speaking of soon to be beautiful weddings, potentially. Yeah. I mean, in a while, but yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Staying away from it as much as I can, but, but yeah, no, happy to be here as always, uh, you know, happy, happy to be recording another pod with you guys. Awesome. Well, uh, since we will probably be kicking the current Juventus injury situation to the midweek episode when we preview the intergame uh we decided here to discuss the early season of juventus seeing as we are basically now one third of the way through the schedule and what does that mean it means award season you know jude bellingham just got the golden boy award from tuto sport uh so we'll we'll maybe do something a little a little along those lines, although maybe not the, the Golden Boy Award because, you know, Max Allegri and things. So uh, <laughs> I guess the, the first question is very simple. Sergio Romero, who is your early season MVP? Uh, I think, you know, it, it's the same guy that I think it's actually leading the race 
in the crackback MVP points, and then that is Bremer. To, to me, Clayson Bremer, you know, a big part of why this team is currently second in the table and, and kind of like in that Scudetto race is because of their defense. Like that, that's, you know, that's no secret to anyone. Like that has been the recipe of their success this year. And I think there's no no player that has been more impactful in that side of the field or, or in that, you know, in that arena than, than Clayson Bremer, who has been absolutely spectacular in, in year two for Juventus. He was pretty good on year one, uh, but, you know, th- there were clearly, you know, a few growing pains. You know, he was obviously more used to a three-man backline in Torino. That four-man backline initially last year, you know, he, he kind of struggled with it. But as soon as the team kind of turned back into a three-man backline, he's just been he's just been great. He's just been the anchor of, of, of the defense, of the backline of, of, of the team in a lot of ways. So, you know... Especially the last few games, he's just he's just taken it a step up, and I think I think he's he's very worthy of being the, the early season MVP. Sam, is your early season MVP a very uh, chiseled Brazilian as well? I mean, yeah, but just for the sake of being different, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm actually gonna say Weston McKenney, which is Ooh. a shocking thing for everybody. I mean, did you no expect to be saying anything like that in say August? Absolutely not. I was expecting him to be off the team in August. <laughs> or already off the team. I, I was expecting him to be sold, you know, back into, you know, the low levels of the Premier League or maybe even to the Bundesliga because he's been there before. But, you know, he has proven indispensable this season, whether he's, you know, he's played well out on the wing. He's played well in the midfield when he's had to kick into the midfield. He, he's really, he, he seems a lot more focused this year. and. You know, it's such an improvement on all levels and it's been great to watch. And I, you know, between some of the injuries that we've had and and the way that the team has been playing, I think that without him, we would be be a step back from where we are. So it's it really is impressive to see to see Wes and the way he's played. Uh, Like I said, Bremer is the clear MVP of of the team overall. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, just you know, for for the sake of of putting another name out there, I think Wes has got to be in that in that discussion. Yeah, the you factor in the injuries and then obviously the two suspension as well. And Juventus needed Weston McKinney just for sheer numbers. Yeah, and now it's I mean, obviously, you know, you can't foresee happening what what has happened suspension wise, but yeah, it's talk about a. a kind of a mini renaissance at a certain club i mean this is this is probably i i mean i can't remember a player who was very much on the outs and then all of a sudden he's suddenly turned into one of your more important players like weston has and especially in this kind of quick fashion i mean it we're we're still you know we're 12 games into the season and he's gone from yeah he's probably going to be sold over the summer to holy crap he's probably a, a lock to be a starter for as long as this this run of form goes. Yeah, it's it it's amazing to see, and you know, especially how poor he was at Leeds last year, and maybe that was a problem for him as well. Maybe that was one of the the motivations, you know, to be like he was not well treated by Leeds fans by the no. end of the season last year. Maybe that was a little bit of a motivation for him to say like, "All right, you you want to see what I can do here." <laughs> yeah yeah and then it just as i say like it's been a tremendous turnaround and, and i think they you know between obviously he hasn't had that 
of fixed position so far in the lineup, you know, between the injuries, between suspensions and everything, he's kind of like shifted a little bit. Uh, but I think he he's kind of like in his best form ever since those first few months of the Andrea Pirlo era when, when he was first signed. Like he, in, in a way, despite not playing the exact same position, like he's being played again in that Swiss, Swiss knife type of role in which he can do a little bit of everything. And they're taking, you know, more advantage of his, uh, of his ability. So, yeah, just kudos to him. I think I think he's actually second or third in my grab back MVP voting because he's been he's been really good. So good, good for Weston. Look at that, Sergio, Sergio working in the grab bag MVP whenever he can. There you go. That's <laughs> that's cross promotion right there. That's called an organic pluck. Semi <laughs> <Damn my> organic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, since since Chucks is not here, I guess I'll throw somebody in, and I know it, it'll sound a little bit weird since he's had uh, probably the most forgettable game out of anybody that has played for Juventus this season. But outside of the Sassuolo disaster, Tech Chesney has been pretty damn good. And yeah. I think maybe it is the way he has responded to that game that is influencing my pick here. And obviously, since we tend to not try and have as much overlap as possible with our picks, uh, because my pick very much would be Bremer if it hadn't already been essentially taken by the both of you. But Chesney, ever since what happened against Sassuolo, has been absolutely fantastic. And obviously, he's had not a ton of pure save action to do. But you look at some of the saves he's made, and, I mean, those are you know world-class saves every single time. And it just shows kind of what professional he is, where he can put such a just an awful, disastrous kind of game in the rear view mirror so incredibly quickly. And the next week he's basically like, okay, you know, essentially playing like nothing happened the week before and just making great save after great save. And I, I think that's a testament to his not only professionalism, but his mental fortitude. And, you know, he's, you know, that take that one game out and he's having statistically one of the best seasons he's ever had. So uh, I, I think for me, uh, he definitely deserves a shout out because, you know, as much as Bremer and the guys in front of Chesney have been playing super well, especially of late, Chesney, when needed, has gotten the job done, uh, especially post Sassuolo. So there's my goalkeeper bias coming out. Yeah. I also think, you know, because he, he went through a, you know, you remember that really difficult patch of form he had, and I think it was 2021. Yeah. And that snowballed. And that was just really yep. an extended period of badness to, to the point where Gianluigi Buffon was playing relatively important games as the backup. I think he, he started a, a game, he started that makeup game against Napoli. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever he does screw up now, you know, you've got a guy that is a very, very, very good goalkeeper behind him in Mattia Perin. And I have friends that every single time he makes the <laughs> smallest mistake, they're immediately like, why aren't we starting Perrin? Yeah. And this is why. It's because he is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. And the fact that he pre- didn't let that game against Sassuolo snowball the way it did a couple years ago on him that, that really wasn't great. I think that's just a testament to the to the guy that he's become and and the leader in the clubhouse that he's starting to become. And 
It's odd. I feel like, you know, a lot of people have, have, you know, I've heard even broadcasters question why Chesney hasn't gotten the armband. I think he's he's personally pulled himself away from the hierarchy because otherwise otherwise he'd be captaining the team right now, given the injury situation. But I, I do think that there's a especially in combination with the back line, there's there's a lot of leadership coming out of Chesney that I don't think we really appreciate. Yeah, 100%. I agree on that. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, in, in that rough, rough patch of form that that Sam, you know, mentioned, and in general, I think his reputation after leaving Arsenal and, and Roma and everything was that he was kind of like a mentally frail type of guy that, you know, one mistake would lead to another, lead to another, lead to another. You know, he, like like we all know, you know, that's a solo game. Like he, he imploded, you know, he was pretty much single-handedly responsible for that defeat but after that he's just put good performance after good performance after good performance which i think speaks well of, of his evolution as a player that you know he doesn't really get into his head anymore like, like he used to and you know, just one bad performance one mistake let's you know let's move on and he's been you know yeah outside from that one very specific game you know he's been he's been nails like he's been really good all right, we mentioned MVP. Now, Sam, LVP. I think I know where you're going to go with this, but I will let you explain. And it's hard to... Yeah, it, it's got to be Paul Pogba. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I mean, like I, like I was... I wanted to... It was hard for me in that moment to decide whether I wanted to, to be somebody that we've actually seen play this year <laughs> or, or Pogba, but it has to be Pogba. I mean, just the the sheer stupidity of putting himself in the situation he's now in. And, and, you know, you know, there's, there's an honorable mention for that as well, but I'm leaving that because I'm sure somebody else wants to take it uh, in this, in this category. But, you know, for a guy that is being paid immense, an immense amount of money, especially given our, given Juve's finances and has played all of what, maybe 600 minutes in now a year and a third. If that, I mean, it if feels that, like it, it might be half that. I, I don't have it yeah. in front of me, but last season, it's not like he was racking up 60-minute appearances right and left. That's true. You know, it, it has been, you know, when when they make listicles about the worst signings of uh, of the decade in Europe in for the 2020s, this is going to be on there. Even as a free transfer, it's going to be on there because there's just, to pay him such a huge wage to give him the 10, especially right after Paulo Dybala left and the way Paulo Dybala left. And then to just get a whole big stinking bowl of nothing out of him. It, it's been awful. And so much of it has been his own damn fault, whether the way he treated the knee injury last year, which was dumb or the, the way he's gotten himself into the, the drug testing problem this year, which is also dumb based on what we know it's, it's all his fault and it's, it's hurt the team obviously. So yeah, it's gotta be him. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think, you know, uh, once again, I think, you know, the first pick is, is the correct pick, uh, you know, especially, and it's so disappointing because he was finally starting to get minutes this year and his skill set is, is something that this team so desperately needed like that, you know, offensive or not much, so much offensive, but like creative midfielder. Like that's exactly what this team needed. And and if you think like, you know, if he could play like how 
different or how much better I think this team could be. You know, I think it, it just adds to to you know just the just sheer disappointment that that his signing has been. So I think you know he for sure has to be the LPP. And I think you know for me, similarly to what Sam said of, of picking someone else, uh, is the other guy who we we desperately need, and that is Nicolo Fagioli. I think again, you know, just exactly the type of player we needed coming off, you know, a Serie Young Player of the Year award. Uh, you know, just to get. And it, it, it's it's difficult because obviously there was a, a thing of, of addiction going on with the gambling in him and, and everything. But and and apparently the club is supporting him to to kind of like get better from that. And, and obviously it's a bit of a tricky situation. But the reality is that you got yourself suspended for a year uh, doing things that you full well knew that you didn't need to be doing or that you shouldn't be doing. And you know instead of talking about him taking that next step, solidifying himself as a starter at Juventus, you know, finally becoming that key cog that we all know that he can be. Uh, we're talking about a one-year suspension and and leaving the, the club with a, you know, with a gaping hole in, in midfield that, that they're still kind of struggling to fill. And, and again, similarly to Pogba, like his skill set works so perfect for that spot. And I think it would have added such another dimension to this team that, that they currently just don't have. Um, so yeah, just because of, of how similarly to Pogba, just how dumb the, the whole thing was and how irresponsible it was from him and, and how it left the team just being, you know, straight up worse, uh, because of it, uh, I think he has to be the, the, the other LVP for me. Sam, since I mentioned, uh, Pogba's minutes, uh, let me just rattle off how many he's played since he's come back. 12 in the Coppa Italia, 47 in the Europa League, 111 in the Serie A, in Serie A last year, and 54 minutes in two appearances in Serie A this season. So, Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> that's a little over 200. I don't have the quick math available to me right away, but yeah, that is a, a little less than the 600 that we initially quoted. <laughs> uh, all right. Since you guys took the midfielders that uh, that first popped into my head, it's hard to say because you know, there's not a lot of people who have been who have been total disasters. Okay, I will pick a podcast favorite. How about Alexandro? Yeah, because uh, let's just say we've spoken in previous uh, beginnings of the season on this podcast about how. You kind of get that like early season burst of Alexandro being like, hey, I've still got something left. And then he just kind of falls off a cliff. Uh, we haven't really got, we didn't really get that this season. And then now he's been hurt for what feels like uh, the last two months with an injury that I think we were initially told, yeah, it'd be a couple of weeks. So not only is Sandro not available on a team that doesn't have much depth at the back, uh, when he has played, he has not looked very good. So as much as my pick again, like the MVP would be in lockstep with you guys in terms of Pogba. Yeah. Since I'm bringing up the, the, the back of the train here and, and all that, I will pick Alexandro simply because uh, you guys took who, who I wanted. As you were just making that description of like, you know, the, the early season burst and then the fall, I just, I started getting a wily e. coyote vision in my head. <laughs> <laughs> he he set us up for the trap and then he fell into his own trap yeah yeah 
All right. Well, uh, I, I guess next uh, most surprising, I think a couple of guys who have we've already mentioned could could fit in here. Sergio, who has been your most surprising player thus far this season? My most surprising player has been, you know, Daniel Rugani. I, th- I think he, hey. you know, it, it, despite not starting the season as as a well, as a starter. Ever since he had to step up from Danilo being hurt in, in that international break, he's been just nails. He's been just as good as the other two center backs in, in Federico Gatti and Bremer. He hasn't put a foot wrong. And, you know, it, it's it's been it's been crazy to see because I think we were all just okay with Danilo Rugani just never really reaching the heights of, of the hype that he had when he was a prospect and just being kind of like a you know, end of the bench situational starter, fifth choice center back. That seemed to be his lot in life. He seemed to be happy with that. And then suddenly, like, he gets a chance to start again. And he's excellent. Like, he's just really, really good. I can't... There's probably been other stretches uh, in his career when he was when he was good. But I can't remember a stretching in which I felt so confident about Daniel Rugani being out there at center back. So much so that I, I don't... I'm not sure you know if, if you know once Danilo comes back if he's probably going to unseat him but I, I don't I'm not even sure if that's the right move like he's been that good so you know to me just to go from a guy that you know pretty much everyone expected to just be a fifth choice center back he never gets any minutes to being a legitimately top center back that that might get a call up from the national team uh it's, it's just you know incredible so to me that that was my biggest chunk of the season so far and Yelly Rugani, how about that? <laughs> I love that Sergio picked him too right right away without hesitation. Oh, yeah. Sam, who you got? Uh, I th- I think the overall answer to this is again Weston, but having yes. already talked about him, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Moise Kane. Just in terms of you know he he could so easily have been lost in the shuffle in that forward situation given the way that we play and 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 how many you know the limited number of minutes that are going to be on offer there but he's you know despite the lack of counting stats he's been very very good this season he's done a lot of things that he needs to do he's had a couple goals stolen from him by var and a couple of other uh shots where he's been denied by some just legit really good saves um you know the goals are coming for him i think but he is he's doing really good things up front that help the rest of the team. And would he still be taking this starting role that he had start that he'd started to really be seem to be being given right before the international break if Dusan Vlaovic was like a hundred percent, a hundred percent fit? Probably not. He probably shouldn't. We've talked about that. But he's he's playing very, very well. You know, to me, first he's he's first guy off the bench up front after uh, even before Milik, uh, who hasn't been playing badly himself this this year. So yeah, I, I I think that he's that he's really shown some growth this year, despite the number of the, the lack of stats, and and I'm I'm glad about that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. I think that that's another great pick and. You know, I just want to say, like, like you said, like the lack of counting stats. Just you know, kudos to Juve fans knowing ball, like just being <laughs> you know connoisseurs that they gave him the October MVP award without actually scoring goals. Exactly. And 
everyone was fine about it because it was like, yeah, yeah, he was really freaking good in that month despite not scoring, which, you know, it just, it, it's a testament to him and, and the form he's currently on. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing with him, and it, it's kind of not to the same extreme as Alexandro, but he's, the last few years, and especially I remember at this point, or at the beginning of last season, he he looked really good coming out of preseason, and he was playing well, and then all of a sudden, he just couldn't keep that going. And I think the big thing for him is that, you know, hopefully we, we see it for a, a longer period of time, but he's been able to kind of keep that that early season form going and especially knowing that his minutes were kind of sporadic the first you know handful of games and now that he's been a starter he's he's kept it you know kept it good and i think that's just like any young player i mean we for, we forget still how young he is even though it feels like we've been watching him play for juventus for you know almost a decade now you know it's it's just you know he's still a young guy he's still got so much learning to do and you just you just feel like that this is hopefully, hopefully the start of kind of that, you know, he's probably never going to be the player that we hoped he'd be, but just, you know, fulfilling some of that potential and fulfilling some of that, that hope we had for him. Hopefully this is just, you know, the start of something good. And, you know, he's, I just, I just hope he gets that goal soon. Cause the, the vibes are good. It seems like with him, but you know, that inside it's kind of like, come on, you just want to, you, you want to get that duck off the, off the score sheet. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially as a striker, like even if you're playing really well, you know, just just at the end of the day, your job is to score goals. So, so yeah, hopefully he breaks that dog. But but what a what a moment to be alive. Twenty twenty three. Moiskin leading the line. Daniela Rugani starting at center back, just like Juventus drew it up in like twenty nineteen. I think <laughs> just, just like everyone, just the plan finally working out in twenty twenty three. Just good times. All we're missing is Mattia Decilio on the right flank. That's right. That's right. We're going. We're going back to. Uh, I'm blanking on uh, what season it was when the 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 blue and white away kit was was a thing, and the uh, the the third jersey with the uh, with the the zebra stripes on the shoulders. When that know. was uh, the year that the that was the that was the Cardiff year. Yeah, that was. Wasn't that the where Higuain made his first appearance in a friendly, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, look how fat he is." Yeah. Yes. Not fair to my guy Gonzalo Wayne. Those shirts are not flattering. No. At all. Not long after that, my club at our bar, we got a visit from uh the, the we we organized a uh, visit with the club with Edgar Davids and David Trezeguet. And one of my friends just elbowed me in the in the ribs and he was like, dude, Trezeguet looks like he's in better shape than Higuain. <laughs> oh, <brutal. laughs> Oh, that's rough. You can't do them like that. Come on. Uh, where else should we pick? I'm blanking out on where we go next. We've we've done MVP. Uh, disappointing done player, I guess. Biggest disappointment. Sergio, who's your biggest disappointment? Um, I guess that this could be, you know, related to yes. LBP, I, I guess. But, you know, if, if we're going with guys that are actually playing and are actually on the field, you know, and this is harsh. This is me acknowledging that this is harsh and especially because like this team is second in the table they're, they're playing really well they only have one defeat in the year so not a ton of like our bright disappointments like let's let's start there but i think you know dusan blahovic still not being as consistent as we would hope or as we would like i, I think it's still a bit of a disappointment to me and 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 we don't have to 
have the conversation again of, you know, it's the tactics, it's, it's he was hurt, I get it. But this is now year three and a half, well, two and a half of, of him being in, in Juventus. And, you know, he's still not quite there as, as that, you know, elite top level striker that I think Juventus thought uh, they were getting. Again, not fully his fault, you know, again, system, he got hurt, I get it. But those flashes, I don't, I don't remember which which game he had a brace. Uh, I think it was the Lazio game, if, if I remember correctly. I, I'm I'm blanking on the game, but you know those those games in which he's so decisive, like he's so clinical with the ball and, and finishing his chances. We've seen just too too little of it so far, to be to be quite honest. Like he he he's shown that he can have those moments, but uh, we've seen too little from it, frankly. And and I think. When you play in a system like the one Juventus has, that you know, just by design is not going to generate a ton of chances. You really can't afford to be very wasteful in front of goal, and and I think having a top tier striker should alleviate a little bit of that concern. And and Dusan just hasn't been that guy so far. Like I said, it's a bit harsh. It's not necessarily I think he's having a terrible season or anything like that. But this is the team that's playing well. So not a lot of guys I think to choose from of, of disappointing. It's just. I think at this point in time, you know, with the the time that he's had in the squad and everything, I would expect him to be a little bit more of a of a decisive player. You know, not not necessarily getting benched by you know Moiskin, which, which I get he was hurt, I know, but still, like Juventus playing better with Moiskin, and that's at least a little bit worrisome when when Dusan Blahovic should be your your you know your star. So I think to me he's he's kind of like the biggest disappointment, which again not completely fair, a bit harsh, uh, but. Again, not a ton to choose for with from, which I guess is is a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. F- for me, I think the the guy is gonna have to be Tim Weah. Uh, you know, after preseason, we were all very enamored with with him and you know his speed, and you know I think we all knew that it was gonna take some time for him to adapt to playing that right wing back position at full game speed, but for you to to lose out to lose your starting spot to an out of position to a guy that's playing out of position the way Weston McKenney was when he he jumped him in that spot just seems because Wea, especially the way that we've been just defending and countering like crazy the last few the last few weeks, he could with that speed be an absolute game changer. But between the injury and the fact that he, you know, that Max clearly preferred West to him out there when when he had enough players available to be able to make that decision, we haven't really seen him be able to do that. I think, you know, the word on the street is that he's going to be back in time for the intergame. And there's definitely no way that Allegri can afford to have McKenney out there. <laughs> so it's it's going to be him out there. And this is his opportunity to kind of seize this seize this moment and be the guy that that we really were envisioning in preseason when he was just running by every dude all right well i will i will caveat this kind of in the same way that sergio did in that this maybe isn't the biggest disappointment because as we know the biggest disappointment is currently banned for doping uh so you know it's very much kind of a couple of rungs down the ladder, but I just, I watch Fabio Moretti these days and I'm just kind of left wanting a little bit more. I mean, yes, he's still very young and yes, he's still very much 
uh, a player who kind of like Keen was at his age where it's like, okay, there's so much potential to, to be filled. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's give him playing time. Let's let him essentially kind of like Matias Soule is doing, but on a much bigger stage, seeing as it's at Juventus and not Frosinone. It's just kind of, you'd hope that some points of his game now that he's, well, it's been what, a, oh, a year and a half since he got his first, his first, uh, playing time under Allegri. And it's just like, okay, yeah, that, yeah. Okay, you know, the decision-making, it's still kind of lacking at some point. It's like, like we mentioned with Fajoli, he's very much the kind of midfielder that this team needs, a very progressive, a very, you know, kind of wants to push the ball forward, everything, get, get in the final third, try and get goals, which ironically, he finally got his first goal a, a few weeks ago. But it's just, I'm just left wanting more. And at this point, it's just, it's disappointing for me personally to see like, okay, this kid can do a lot of good things. It's just sometimes he has the right idea and the execution isn't there or the execution needs to be better. And he decides on something that's different because he decided on something different to do. And uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like the last few weeks, especially it's just like, you know, either, either he chooses the wrong person to pass to, he doesn't make the pass in time uh, when he probably should have. And it's just like, okay, you know, you want him to learn the right thing to do. It's just like, that still isn't there in full yet. So uh, he's not, you know, Fabio Moretti, he's what, just barely 20. You're waiting for that next step. And you just want that next step to be soon because this team desperately needs it in the midfield. He has been playing better the last couple of games though. He, He has. And it's not like he's playing poorly. It's just, just want a little more from them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, like you said, I think it's, it's once again, like not being entirely fair to the guy because, you know, he's very young and everything, but now he's going to have to, you know, grow in, in leaps and bounds because, you know, thanks to the, the aforementioned Paul Granfagioli thing, like now he has to carry, carry that, you know, a heavier load in minutes. And then hopefully that, you know, at the end of the day, I think those decision-making, especially with, with young players, it can only come from time. It can only come from experience, from playing a lot of matches. And I think this season he's going to, you know, at least he's going to have the, the chance to do that and see if, if you know, how, how much he, he, you know, takes a step forward. Yeah, at the, at the very least, the the Fajoli Pogba suspensions have definitely, definitely given him the chance for more playing time that maybe we didn't think possible with no Europe on the table, so. Where, where else should we go here? We probably have time for, for one more category before we get to a Twitter question or two. Uh, do you want to go predictions for like the rest of the season? Should we, should we do one player that we, uh, we want to see take a leading role or something else? Yeah, sure. Okay. Can I go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. We've been taking all of your picks. <laughs> exactly. I would love to, basically, I'll make it short. I would love to see Federico Chiesa play like he did against North Macedonia. Okay, Sam, over to you. Yeah, I, I was, I, I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> I would like to see Manuel Locatelli take a little bit of a step forward attacking wise. Um, and uh, obviously there is the current, our current playing style has a lot to do with this because you know, he's just stuck behind the, you know, he's stuck in front of the defenders so much and he has played so well defensively. You know, he was one of the, one of the best players on the field in the Fiorentina game for that reason. 
but I, I still want to see him being able to get the ball a little bit further forward and use some of the skills that we know he has that we've seen at Fiorentina at not Fiorentina at, at Sassuolo and be able to use those for the betterment of Juventus. Yeah, I, th- I think he actually took took both of them. I know that the the, the look yeah, of the thing especially is, is <laughs> yeah, yeah. No shoes, tables have turned. Um, no, I, I think the Locatelli thing especially is is, is going to be key, and and I think you know in that same vein, and to talk about someone else and and someone who we haven't talked about so far this this season is um, Adrian Dravio, captain. Adrian Dravio um, undefeated. Seeing, Undefeated captain Adrian Bravio. I think he is going to be key in in the in the next season, just because of he is the one kind of like uh, reliable guy in in that midfield, and you know he, he's going to have to take a, a step up and kind of you know turn back into the the form that he had last season. Which you know, to be fair, it's not like he's been playing bad or anything at all like that. But I do think he's taken a bit of a step back to the form that he had last year. So. Uh, if this team is gonna is gonna you know continue to to trend upwards, uh, he's gonna have to be his his steady self for sure because he's kind of like the one of the only players now in the midfield that just has a very defined role and is generally very steady and and good at doing it. So hopefully, you know, I think that's a guy that that I I, I hope takes a, another step up. And props to him for getting that yellow card suspension out of the way before playing Inter. That that's true leadership right there. Amen. You know what he was doing. Three dimensional chess. They suspend. They su- they suspend <laughs> people for that in UEFA. That's right. Yes, it is all part of the plan. Now there's going to be a SETI investigation. Call the FIGC. Yeah. All right, guys. Shall we wrap this up with a Twitter question or two? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. Here. Uh, <laughs> since we haven't really mentioned them all, all of uh, this episode from at UV underscore Sergio, not Sergio Romero. Uh, when are we going to play a three-four-three, Max? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, the answer is probably never. <laughs> but especially given the lack of cover we have in midfield, I actually mentioned this in a piece that that I believe just dropped on the website right before we started to record today. Given the lack of cover we have in midfield and the fact that we have some players who are better as out-and-out wingers. A three-four-three wouldn't be a bad choice. I do think that a three-four-three would also have to come with a bit more of a a change in attitude towards moving forward a little bit more, because it's not as suited as a three-five-two is to to sitting back and defending the way that that Max has shown that he likes to do the last month or so. But I would love to see a three uh, a three-four-three. I think it could do some really good things for this team, but. I, I just I don't see Max making that change. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be it, on paper. It makes sense, especially with all the absences or potential absences, at least uh, in midfield heading to the to the Inter Milan game, uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about later on. And, and that's another organic block in the midweek pod when we will preview <laughs> Inter Milan's game. But you know, it, it makes a lot of sense in that you know on paper. Uh, whether or not elect Max Allegri does it, that's an entirely different thing. And you know, it is. You know, you're, you're talking once again of, of building. You know, a sort of double, not not necessarily a double pivot, but you know, Ravio as a center midfielder. You know, with I don't know Weston McKinney or Fabio Meretti or who knows. It's you know, 
it's still that same problem that Juventus has in which pretty much every formation just shot out there. It has a weakness or it has something that, that could go wrong. And I think the 3-4-3, you know, despite, you know, putting the, you know, offensively probably being a lot better than what they're doing right now, I think you lose a lot of the, the solidity in the midfield. And I think, you know, you're bound to get overrun because you just don't have midfielders right now who are capable of just holding it down, you know, with just two players. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, especially, you know, like we said, with all the absences heading into the Inter Milan game, I think it's better than, you know, throwing out the hands into his very first start uh, in the Derby d'Italia against Inter Milan. But, you know, it, it's, it's tough. It's just there's, there's no perfect answer, especially when, you know, half the midfield is, is injured, uh, suspended for doping or suspended for gambling. So, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of great choices. All right, last one here. We'll use it kind of as a lead-in into the next episode in a couple of days. From at Amit Champaneri, one, is the Serie A title race now just between Juventus and Inter Milan? And where do you think Juve need to buy a player in January to maximize a potential Scudetto run? Midfield. Midfield. Yeah, uh, midfield is definitely where we would need to do that. Hold on, I'm checking the standings. So we're six points up on AC Milan. Yes. And eight points up on Napoli. I think you can conceivably say that. I think that Milan is good enough to go on a run at some point, but I just don't know if that's going to happen. Napoli with Walter Mazzotti, I would. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> good old Rudy Garcia didn't even last half a didn't season. Even last Who could until, have foreseen that? Until Thanksgiving. And now, uh, and now they're going back to Walter Mazzotti, which is. Freaking hilarious! I know. I know this is a, a complete tangent from what the question actually is. But did you did you guys hear that part of the deal that Mazzari agreed to as as he came back was that he he is very much well known to not to play a back three, but he had to agree to play a back four because or a four through three essentially because that is what <laughs> Napoli did best in. And part of the reason why they they agreed to bring in Rudy Garcia. So not only is uh, De Laurentiis up to his De Laurentiis most uh, with firing Rudy Garcia after 12 games, but also he's making the new manager, who was once his old manager, play a different formation than he's very much used to. And Berlusconi didn't even go that far. He'd just poke his head in and say that he, that he wanted to play with a striker with two strikers and a triquantista. He wouldn't actually uh he wouldn't actually put it in the contract. Walter Mazzari, who's been out of a job for almost two years now, said, Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it it surprises me to say this, but it, it definitely is the case that I think Juve and Inter probably are the two front runners. Although it would not balk, it would not surprise me, as we'll see in, uh, and and I think we'll discuss this more in the midweek episode. It wouldn't surprise me to see Inter kind of break it, break a little bit forward in that race and open up a gap on Juve. Uh, but I think that you know if everything goes well, I think that Juve are certainly the best bet as a challenger to that top spot that Inter hold right now. And if everything keeps going the way that, that it's going, I think the top four is is a goal that we should be kind of... Not, it's not an aspirational goal. It's the goal that we really need to be looking at now. 
Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, I wrote a, a little bit about this in, in part of the blog this week. You know, can is this Juventus actually a title challenger? Or is it just, you know, a thing of they've been in a good front of form, but when, you know, when we actually get to the business end of the season, it's not going to hold up. And, and I think I agree with Sam in the sense that I think Juve is the biggest challenger uh, against Inter, 100%. But, you know, I think this, weirdly enough, I think this little stretch of games that that is coming up might end up being key for the for the season because Inter, uh, you know, the, their schedule is, is pretty... It's pretty nutty. Like after it's it's Juve Inter, then they have to play three days later against Benfica. Then they get Napoli, uh, and then they play. Sorry, um, moving this. Uh, yeah, so it's Napoli, Benfica, and Juve like in a row. And and I think that's you know those are the kind of little runs that that Inter is going to get because they're playing Champions League that Juve just doesn't have. So I think this is kind of like a key moment in that in that quote unquote potential. A title battle in the sense that if, if Juve can get a result against Inter, you know, Inter is going to get a lot of games in a very short time against good teams, you know, might might end up being decisive. I think top four at this point, I don't want to say it's sown, I don't, I don't want to say like it's a, a given, but I think we've seen enough of this team to know that it, it, it's probably going to happen. Milan is not looking like the Milan of last year. Uh, Napoli, you already discussed all the issues with Napoli. So I think I think top four is a pretty pretty safe bet and I, I would I would say that Juve is going to challenge at some point I'm not really ready to go and then say that they're going to win it but I think they're, they're they're going to be at least in the mix which considering the last few seasons that, that's at least a step up and I think that's something that at least I I had in my mind as a, as a goal or as an objective like actually challenge for silverware again which I just hadn't done I think if, if Juve can, can be in the mix and, and you know, with, with Inter playing in European competitions, they can take advantage of a slip up here and there. I don't think they're going to be perfect the rest of the way like they have been so far. So uh, because no team ever is. So, you know, I think Juve is going to be able to mount a challenge. And then I think considering how the season has gone or the previous seasons have gone, that's I think that's a, a sign of progress, at least. Yeah, and Inter's really been the only club that hasn't shown kind of the, the ill effects of playing midweek like the others have. I mean, you look at AC Milan and, you know, especially of, over the last month or so, I mean, it's really been hit or miss, mostly miss uh, when it comes to balancing league play and the Champions League, Napoli as well. And, I mean, you look at it, Sergio mentions inter, inter schedule, but we're going to find out a lot about Juventus too, considering after the Derby, they've also got in December, Napoli on, on the 8th and then Roma to close out the calendar year. So they're there are still some big games uh, coming up here over the next six weeks for Juventus before we we switch over to 2024. And Inter are already, they've already locked up a place in the last 16 in the Champions League. Yeah. Which means that they might be able to take their foot off the gas a little bit in a game like the Benfica game. So that that's, you know, just, just another variable to throw in there. Yeah, whereas Milan and, and Napoli are very much playing for their Champions League lives the last couple of yeah. group stage games. So Absolutely. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap it up for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the Twitter questions. If you want to follow us on Twitter, feel free to do so. At Juventus Nation, follow the Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN. 
on Twitter, fansforsports.com for all of the podcasts around the network. If you do want to listen to future episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. So for Sam, for Sergio, for Chucks, and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys ahead of a big game in a couple of days.